Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to you next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. This week, we have another amazing guest joining with us. It is Amber Smith, who is the author of Danger Clothes, my epic journey as a combat helicopter pilot in Iraq and Afghanistan. Amber is an incredible guest that we're having join with us, who's not only an author, but who is a decorated veteran who has flown Air Mission Commander, the 101 First Airborne Division, and she was a veteran from Iraq and Afghanistan wars. And we are so stoked to be able to have you join with us to talk about your journey, not only on the battlefield, but also to coming out with this incredible book that just came out really recently, didn't it? It did. Um, It's coming out September 6th. And it's but it's been this multi year project for me, I've been working on it. Uh, It's been in the works for, you know, the idea was there, you know, probably since I got out of the military, but then I actually sat down and and it became a project of mine, about two and two and a half years ago. So it's been in the works for some time. Um, but I'm really proud of the product and how it's come together. Uh, and basically how it gets to tell this untold story of what it's like to be a Kiowa warrior helicopter pilot, uh, going to war, uh, and my experiences in combat in Iraq and Afghanistan. So what made you want to write a book? We were kind of chatting about it before we got on about the journey of becoming an author. And once you kind of start with one, you don't want to stop. It's like tattoos. You know, you just want to keep keep going. But writing a book is absolutely a journey and it takes passion and inspiration to even start. But what was that inflection point that you were like, I need to write my story down. There's something here that's important to tell. Well, actually, believe it or not, I have two sisters and they're both military pilots as well. And we were approached to do a book sort of um, about the three of us a while back. And uh, I would say about six years now. And the three of us, we were in, I was getting out of the military at that time. My other sister was still in. My other sister was in California. And we were just sort of in three different points um, in our lives. And it was very hard for, you know, three non-authors to come together and write a book. And so we just sort of, you know, it was a good idea project for a while, but it was something that never really made it past that idea. And a couple of years later, when I got into the world that I'm in, in now, uh, when I'm sort of a veterans advocate, um, in different areas. And I, I decided that, you know, there hasn't really been a book that had been written about uh, Kiowa pilots. You always hear about the infantry soldiers or the Navy SEALs or the guys on the ground, or I think there's even a couple books out about being a fighter pilot in a jet, stuff like that. But, you know, as Kiowa pilots, we have such a unique perspective of the war from where we are at. And I just wanted to let people know. I wanted to let Americans know um how essential Kiowas were um, to battlefield success, you know, day in and day out in two theaters of war in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
And so that's what I was really hoping to grasp with my book is not only tell my own personal journey through the military, why I joined, you know, sort of like my family background and then all of my training and then both wars. I just, I really want the audience to grasp uh, what it's like uh, to be a Kiowa pilot, what our mission is and what we brought uh, to the fight. When you think about your book, what is that that one story that really grips you that you think like, wow, that was really one of those moments that I'll always remember? And what's your favorite story from the book itself? Well, one of my most gripping stories um, that's very emotional for me is uh, my friend, Mike Sabonik. He was uh, shot in the leg with an AK-47 round uh, on September 11th, actually, 2008. And he was killed very quickly. And uh, I had been with Iraq with him, made it through almost Afghanistan with him when, when I was notified that he'd been shot and killed and was on his way back to where I was at Bagram at the time. And I was asked to be a pallbearer and carry his uh, flag-draped casket for his ramp ceremony or fallen soldier ceremony. It's basically when you're, you're taking the casket and you're placing it on the plane that takes the soldier back to the United States. And so I have a story in my book about that. Uh, you know, most, most people who don't have any connection to the military, um, don't know what a ramp ceremony is. And so, uh, I have a story in there about, uh, what it was like to partake in that and, you know, have one of your friends get, shot and killed in combat. Yeah, it's such a, what an incredible score, story about how uh, it's so real. And I think it's really important that these stories do get put out there so that people realize that there's that personal component because me- many of us in the United States are either, you know, one or two degrees removed from what was actually happening during that time. But to have the stories come to the forefront Uh, especially during this election season where people are talking about the impact uh, of what's going on in the Middle East, but also to uh, how are we taking care of our veterans is what is is so important. So you mentioned your work as a veterans advocate and how you've become so passionate about making sure that message uh, is really out there in the public. So what has your work looked like? How have you gotten involved and why are you so passionate about making sure that veterans are well represented? Well, first of all, I think that, you know, it's in, in 2016, the military civilian divide continues to grow. We've been an all uh, volunteer force, you know, since Vietnam and we've been fighting, you know, since, since September 11th, 2001, we've been fighting in, t- uh, two wars basically. And, and that's been done with that all volunteer force. And so many people have deployed back-to-back deployments multiple times. And and everybody has a story from that. You know, everyone has their own stories and from what it's like to go to combat and stuff like that. So I always tell my friends who are veterans, my friends who are still active duty, anybody that I come across, I am a big advocate for people to tell their stories because I think there is such a space uh, for that right now. And uh, especially, as I mentioned, as the divide continues to grow, the civilian side of things need to hear these stories and they need to hear what it's like and they need to hear about the sacrifices that are being made and the selfless service by soldiers who are fighting for our freedom every single day. Um, And they do so because they love this country and they love America and everything that it stands for. 
And so uh, I think that's one way when, when people talk about, well, how, how can you sort of close that gap? And I think one of the ways is to tell those stories. So, so people, you know, push that awareness. So people who don't have that connection, um, you know, gain some sort of an understanding as to um, what it's like for people who choose to take that path. Yeah, it's really, it's really powerful and, and so incredibly important. And I loved how you said it, closing that gap, because whether it's a knowledge gap or an empathy gap or even an, an understanding gap, making sure that there's a face and there's a name to each of these discussions, because it's not just something that's happening over there. There are moments of, of um, great loss and great impact here in the U.S. as well. My sister is a military spouse. My my brother-in-law is actually deployed right now. And we have these conversations often about how oftentimes there's there's a really large divide of understanding between people who who get it and people who don't get it. And so we're so, so thankful and especially thankful for veterans like yourself. Now take us back a, a few years to your experience being in the military yourself. I'd love to hear your perspective of what it was like being a young woman in the military, what that um, adjustment was like, if there was one. I mean, you're you're one of, of three sisters. I didn't know that. That's actually really awesome that your sisters uh, are all ha- have that experience with you as well. But what was that adjustment like for you? So I think the hardest adjustment was – you know, when I got to my unit, I was 22 years old. I didn't have any brothers, so I didn't really have any experience of being immersed in this, you know, male-dominated environment. But at the same time, I feel like I, I knew what I was getting into. I knew the type of environment that it was going to be. Uh, it was a challenge my first couple of years to just try to figure everybody out, but I think it was the same. They were trying to figure me out as well. But I honestly want to say, I think the hardest thing was just the age difference. So like I mentioned, I was 22 when I got to my unit. Most, you know, there were a few people in their mid to late 20s, but most people were about, you know, eight to 10 years older than me. So I think that was probably the hardest part. They were, you know, much older and there's a big difference between 22 and 32 and a lot of them had been to combat before. So I was the newbie. I was the person straight out of fight school uh, that didn't know much about anything. And so it was like drinking from a fire hose when I got to my unit. And my eyes were definitely opened uh, because you go to flight school. It's uh, For me, it was about 14 months of intense training nonstop. Um, and... So I'm thinking, oh, you go and you do all this training and then you get to your unit and it's going to be just like a normal job, like a nine to five style job. And um, it'll be smooth sailing from there. And little did I know that flight school was actually the easy part compared to when I got to my unit. And that's when the real learning began. And so when you got to your unit, then you're creating a community, you're trying to figure out kind of your 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 way along. And so where was that? moment kind of in your own journey that you're like, no, I actually belong here. So I would say it was when I got back from my first deployment. So I was just trying to stay afloat my first year in my unit and just trying to keep up and, you know, learn as much as I could about, uh, our mission and our Kiowa and, and, uh, 
the cav culture, the army culture, just everything. I was just basically trying to stay afloat. And so I was deployed within the year of me getting to my units, almost exactly a year to the, to the date of me arriving. And actually it was only about 11 months. Now that I think about it. And so when we deployed, that was sort of like a whole different ball game then you're sort of taking all of your training, throwing it into combat, um, applying all the skills uh, that you've learned to that point, and then putting them into action. And so within that time during combat, I, I began pilot and command training. And I did that for months while I was in Iraq. I took my pilot and command check ride in June of 2006, and I passed the check ride and I became the pilot in command, which is basically think. Uh, you know, the captain on an airlines, some, something like that. You're in charge of every, you're in charge of the aircraft, every decision-making uh, that goes on um, in your aircraft, it's, it's up to you. So you have to know the aircraft in and out, make split-second life and death decisions. Uh, you have to be basically, you know, at the top of your game. And so after I made pilot in command, we came home from Iraq a couple months later and uh, I could see a night and day difference, uh, with my unit. And I, I think, you know, there was a trust component to it, uh, in almost all capacities. Um, just me as a person, me as a pilot, me as uh, a soldier with them in their unit, sort of a lot went into it and, you know, it's, it's a tough crowd. And so that's why I think it sort of took that long, but in a weird way, I think I, they felt that i had proved myself to them, um, and that I was there to do the same exact job that they did. And it wasn't just talk. They'd seen me in action, uh, in Iraq. And so that's where I think the tide sort of turned for me. That's incredible. And that journey that, uh, you went through proving yourself, finding your community, really finding your place, I think is something that many people, particularly young people, because so often in the show, we're talking to up and coming leaders, people who are establishing themselves and their expertise and really coming of age into who they're supposed to be, there is that journey and there is that struggle, whether that's the internal doubt of, you know, should I be here? What am I doing? Uh, do they know that sometimes I have no idea what I'm what I'm actually uh, doing at the time, I think is a, is a really powerful message and one that absolutely resonates with me and my, my own path as well. So Amber Smith, I'm so excited that you were able to join us. Thank you for taking the time to share about you and your journey and your powerful story that you bring about in your book. So I'm looking forward to going and getting my own copy of your book, Danger Clothes, My Epic Journey as a Combat Helicopter Pilot in Iraq and Afghanistan. If someone wants to get the book or pre-order it, where can they find it? You can find it on any retailer, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, you can also find it on my website, officialambersmith.com. Uh, you can find all the links to all of the, the retailers that have it as well. Perfect. Well, good. Well, I always close the show by asking the same question. So Amber, if the 12 year old version of you were to meet you and see what you're doing and hear that you wrote a book, what would she think about it? I think that I would say, I want to become a Kiowa pilot in the army. Uh, you know, there were so many steps that led me to where I am today. 
um, so many decisions, uh, so many of those led to the decisions that I made uh, to go down the path that I went. And you want to know what? It wasn't always easy. Uh, a lot of times it was incredibly difficult, but I'm so thankful for all of the experiences that I have had, both good and bad, because they have made me who I am today. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful to be in the place that I am today to share my story with others. And hopefully that can inspire, uh, people, you know, full spectrum of people in terms of whatever they are striving for in life, um, sort of to persevere no matter what you've got going on in your life. And, uh, if you stick with it, you'll come out on top. Well, that is definitely a power, powerful message. Thank you for sharing it with us. And I just want to acknowledge you for your service to this country, for your ability to overcome obstacles and more than anything else to continue to inspire and motivate a generation to be great as well. Thanks, Amber. And we look forward to seeing the rest of our listeners next week. <laughs>